Hello, everyone, and welcome to For the Good of the Game, a unique football podcast dedicated to providing football insights and life skills as shared personally by NFL alumni. We hope you enjoy today's episode. Hello, guys, and welcome to another episode of For the Good of the Game. I am really, really super stoked today, uh, not only because uh, we're filming this on Veterans Day, even though you may not be watching it then, uh, so I'm, I'm wrapping up my Veterans Day weekend here in Phoenix with a good friend and colleague who I have a tremendous amount of respect for and uh, give him a chance to open up here in just a second. Thurman Moore is not only a superb D-line coach who played at San Jose State, but he's coached at multiple major college programs throughout the United States, NFL Europe, the UFL, as well as the NFL. Uh, during his career, he's either trained or coached a number of notable athletes, including Dwight Freeney. Simeon Rice, Joey Porter, Pat Williams, J.J. Watt, Cameron Jordan, and Aaron Donald. Thurman, we're really super pumped to have you. Thank you so much for being here. Yeah, John, it's really, really good to hear it. from you and to see you uh, kind of go back quite a ways. And yeah. It's just a great opportunity for me. Well, I want to, uh, I want to kind of open up uh, with something that most people watching this might not expect, and that is because one of our target audiences is the veteran community, and certainly not every veteran's a football junkie, but we have our fair share among right. the veteran community. And uh, you have a very unique perspective and uh, viewpoint and respect for the military because of your dad. So I wanted to kind of open up and give you the floor for a couple of minutes and let you tell your story, uh, you know, in terms of the thrill that you had growing up with a father in the military for a number of years. Yeah, well, kind of the interesting part, first reason I am a coach is my dad. I remember we were stationed in uh, Canada, up in Newfoundland, Canada, and then you know to have the opportunity to have your father coach your team, and it was baseball, not even football. And uh, at that point in time, I just said, "What better thing to do is to be involved with your son or some other young men, while you, you know while giving them an opportunity to you know play a sport." But uh, also about my father, you know, he served in the Korean War, served in World War II. He also served in the Vietnam War. Um, that generation was just phenomenal. You know, one of the biggest things I remember from my father is that he would really never, ever, ever share what happened over there. But, you know, he would come back, you know, you know, off of assignment. And then, you know, we grew closer. But then as I grew older and he was starting to retire, it was a little different just because of the fact that, uh, you know, he went to Vietnam and came back. Uh, he had a bamboo shoot that went through his foot. Eventually, uh, having having had to uh, amputate his leg, and um, so you know, the just kind of going over that. But um, you know, that was my dad and my hero and everything else. But so never really ever getting a chance to talk about it. And then about seven years ago, interesting enough, John, we were up in Canada doing a Toronto, in fact, doing a. Um, FBU camp, my mother called, my father had been ill, and she said that, you know, it's kind of, he's going on his last time. And so I got a chance to fly back and talk to him and and be there. I know he hadn't been really uh, alert, but when I came in the room, we sat up, you know, and we had to exchange some words. And that was probably one of the wonderful things in my life. I got a chance to see my father before he passed. Absolutely. So, of course, what happens, you know, we go to the funeral. I'm the only 
Mel and the family, I have two sisters, and I'm, I'm sure they could have done a better job than I did. But I was asked to do my father's eulogy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I've seen, you know, all the awards he has and the ribbons he has in the house, you know, been around that. But, you know, I started to read his, uh, you know, what was his life was about. And lo and behold, John, Bronze Star Medal winner. And that, it flabbergasted me um, because here was a guy, uh, a hero. In the, in my, I always hear in my eyes because it was my dad. Sure. But um, to know the sacrifices he made um, and to be given that award for me uh, still to this day. Uh, you know, I talk to people or even like even guys will say, hey, tell me the most interesting thing happened in your life. And they're ready to give me a ready for me to give them something about football. I said, let me tell you, you know, and I think I try to use it for young kids too. try to make sure you find out who your father is. You know, I know there's so many things going on where you might not think it's it's that important, but, you know, I don't think it would affect myself, my father's life. And I know the Lord does something for every for a purpose and a reason for everything he does. But, wow, I mean, it's That's still a wow uh, factor in my life. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's kind of humbling, um, I mean, when you look at it. And uh, I think that's cool. I want to go back to where you started that story. Um, and I think it's fascinating because it, it's a perfect segue into what I wanted to talk about with regard to coaching. You said you got into coaching because of your dad and the fact that when you started playing, he was coaching your team in right. baseball. Um, what lessons learned, character traits, things that you look back on from those days, whether it be youth league baseball, when you first started football or whatever, and that mix of being a military brat, having a dad that coached you, do you think that you have pulled forward and carried with you throughout your coaching career as you try to impart the right information, not just the football techniques, but the right life skills to other players? Yes, and uh, so interesting to say that. I also coached uh, on three of my – Caleb, who is a, uh, who is a junior, who will be playing – he plays quarterback at the Lake Forest College, but I – when I was at Brophy, I was fortunate enough. I was a defensive coordinator, and he's a quarterback. So I didn't coach him, but I was on that team. Um, but then um, when I left college, um, you know, interestingly how things go, uh, I stopped coaching college football because, of fact, I just wasn't – something wasn't right. You mm-hmm. know, I mean, I had, I had some opportunities, and then we came out here and, and made decisions to do things – to keep the kids kind of grounded more. And so I coach his youth team, Caleb's youth team. And so the interesting part that I kind of got and it kind of resonates with me through the whole time, my whole career, is that they're your sons first and love your sons, don't fall in love with your son. Um, you know, you know. I know people tell kids, ask, hey, tell your parents, ask them how their day was. Um, and I think I try to flip that role and ask them how their day was mm-hmm. outside of football or sports. And so Caleb and I used to have some phenomenal uh, conversations on the way back from Brophy. Um, you know, it's just it's to have the journey and, and be have the opportunity to kind of sit back and watch him 
kind of do things that I didn't ask him to do. Like, so he's trying for a competing job. I never told him to leave early in the day and go visit with the coach, you know, and his, you know, the guy I work for now, Coach Molander. Uh, so he would leave early. I mean, I was already gone because I had to get some things done because I was teaching summer school. But he'd leave early and, and go over the, uh, you know, last night's practice and how the, how the schedule is going to be this, uh, you know, that day. And I think those are all things that are going to make him a champion for life. Absolutely. Um, and, and then one of the things with in coaching, you know. Um, I'm a guy that I feel like, you know, I, there's two sides of me. You know, one, I'm going to love you up, and you're going to know that I really care about you as a person. And then the other side is, that, you know, when it's time to go, it's time to go. So uh, a good man uh, named Jin Kunan, he coached at uh, um, Orange Lutheran High School in California. That was actually my first high school job. And he said, hey, the most important thing is that you shake hand, your heart shakes hands with the hearts of your players. So it's a great way to look that's at kind it. Of, yeah. You know, and then we're trying to build them to be champions for life. I think that's an awesome lesson. When you look at, uh, you know, whether it's been uh, some of the high school kids you've had a chance to coach more recently or, or some of the guys that you've trained that have gone on to bigger and better things in the NFL, and arguably that list I went through is, you know, uh, among the group that you've had an opportunity to work with some notables. What... Um, common traits have you seen among those guys the ones that have achieved at the highest level at major college and gone on to the NFL what common traits have you noticed in terms of you know the the stuff that translates from life skills onto the field or just you know whether it's work ethic or whatever because you know I've heard so many coaches college and NFL coaches talk about the fact that they'll take hard work over talent any day of the week what did you see among some of those players that you were blessed to coach and influence as they came up uh, that you thought were kind of common among that caused or was in, in uh, instrumental in their success? Um, one is just their ability to understand um, on what it might take as far as mentally to process the stuff that, yeah, to be successful. Um, you know, um, it almost integrity because if they said they were going to do it they were going to do it mm -hmm. i'm not talking about saying hey i'm going to get 60 sacks no the integral part was hey coach i want to can you give me some help or we watch some video with me and i want to be there at a certain time they were there i mean my biggest thoughts about jj is that he was always first to come and last to leave but not on the field but we have classroom sessions where we talk about football and he always wanted to know the next question. And what was neat for me to see as he's gone on in his career is I watched the things that we talked about, and I still think he, he put some of that stuff on, you know, on the field. Absolutely. Um, Aaron, um, I watched his game last night. They were talking, oh, yeah, he's athletic. He works out with the DBs. Well, when Aaron, I had Aaron – I almost thought he was going to be a Mike linebacker because he's so athletic. You know, he ran four six six on the combine. But the one thing about him, he had a quiet confidence, a very humble guy. And then once again, you know, it, you know, come early, stay late. Can I do that? Oh, can I do it better? And you know, usually they're always looking for that the one extra step or one extra. Uh, piece that might put in that puzzles to make them as good as they can possibly be. Um, what do you typically 
share? Uh, what are some skills that you share aside from the technique pieces? What else do you share as you go through, you know, those sessions with those kids based on your experience, you know, coaching guys that have played at the highest level, coaching in major college and the NFL, um, that you believe will set those guys up for success and, and give them something to put in their hip pocket to use later in terms of knowledge? You know, it's kind of interesting, but the little things, I mean, like, you know, I think I've been blessed seeing things when they happen. And one of the biggest things I, I like guys to do is try to correct it before the next day so that, you know, if you play on a Friday night, correct it so it helps you win Friday night instead of correcting it Saturday. So actually when we're doing drills, I'll ask them, so what, you know, instead of me telling them all the time you did this or you did that, I have to ask them, what did you feel? Or or why didn't, didn't you feel you were as good as on that one? Or, hey, that was a heck of a job. Part of it is like you, you're talking about positive coaching. I think a little sugar goes a long way. Yeah. And so where if you give a guy a, a positive comment, but if and then you give a guy a comment that maybe, you know, you can see it really – it's on him. He kind of wears it on his sleeves. And I think after you give that comment, you know, let him absorb a little bit of what's going on and then go put your arm around him and say, hey, but, you know, if you if you fix that, you know how much better you'll be as a player? You know, and, but I think one of the things I try to do, and, and it's part of the, even the tackle academy that you talked about, is I try to not have too long a verbiage, you know, maybe a, a hot word. I mean, so, like, I know part of the thing we do is uh, shoot your uppercuts. I mean, and during the game, I don't want to tell a guy, well, you need to, you know, when you get ready to go make that tackle, I want you, I want you to put your guns in your holsters. And I'm probably going to talk all my lingo because that's what I do. But if I just say shoot your uppercuts, I mean, he knows that I want to, you know, have him finish through the armpits. And he wants, I want his hips to come roll forward so that he gets all of the uh, – you know, power he can possibly get in making a tackle. And the thing is, too, uh, I know I watch other people coach, and one of the things is you can say keep your head up mm -hmm. or keep your eyes up, and what's the more, the most, uh, what grabs the attention of the young man the most? Usually when you keep your eyes up because there's such a small, uh, more of a, you know, visual point. And then mm -hmm. the last thing, but not least, like I, I always say that uh, specific is dynamic, and that's even in your terminology or or your coaching to a young man or girl, whatever. Um, you know, if you're spe specific with what you're ask, asking them, then usually they're going to be a little more dynamic in what they do. Yeah, I think that uh, in my, my, uh, my coaching experience is certainly far more limited than yours, but in terms of all of my uh, – the bulk of my experience being at the youth through high school level – I found that uh, uh, the same thing applies with the younger kids. And as you get older, obviously, you just kind of validated it's, you know, it's probably the same with all athletes. Um, simple is better. Uh, you don't have to be complicated. It's, in fact, I, I, I told one of the other coaches the other day, part of what I admire so much about guys like yourself is to be able to take a Ph.D. understanding of the game of football and break it down to kids in middle school and high school, the level that they can understand that they can internalize and then go out on the field and drill to those exacting standards and create that improvement as they go through the process. And uh, I mean, that's really, 
all about what coaching is, is teaching and then providing feedback for improvement. And it's those kids, I think, that do end up with, uh, you know, uh, the developing that coachability and being able to really listen. You know, I tell kids all the time, you got two ears and one mouth for a reason because right. you're intended to listen twice as much as you talk, um, despite the fact that I'm a, I'm a, a prolific talker. Um, Coach, what I want to do is kind of go through something that uh, – and, and we'll have uh, some other cues off of this, but I'm going to kind of go through a little bit. There's just some random questions that uh, I, I like to ask everybody. Um, and uh, you may have already touched on a couple of these based on uh, the, the way we opened up here, but uh, that's okay. I, I, uh, I want to be able to uh, uh, walk through these. And the first one is, if you have one, as you look back when you first started with whatever sport you played, maybe it was baseball when your dad was coaching, do you have a favorite youth sports memory that you've carried forward as you've gotten older? Yeah, that was my dad. Because I, mean, I remember I can still see us looking out, out the dugout and he was beside me and just you know, top of the world. I was at the top of the world. Yeah, because, I mean, it was in Canada, but it didn't, ma didn't matter where it was. Mm -hmm. It was just that my dad was beside me, and I got a chance to hang out with him and spend some time, some more time with him. Yeah, that's, that's uh, for me, my dad did not play sports, but we did a lot together as I was growing up, and that was always very valuable, so I certainly appreciate that perspective. If you have one from your days at uh, – at San Jose State, do you have a particular play or game or something that sticks out in your mind that is one of your all-time favorites? Uh, yeah, of course. Uh, so our two rival, our, our interesting rivalries are Stanford and Cal because mm -hmm. they're all part of that proximity. Area. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So um, you know, our uh, Doug K, who was our running back coach at the time. He said, you know, he mentioned us, hey, there's a guy named Gordy Saracino who is a heck of a player. You got to make sure you, if you get a ch chance to let him know that we're going to be physical this game, you do so. So I think it was the second quarter, and I think it was ISO. And, I, you know, I got a pretty good chance to square up on him. And and the fun part is, I, you know, squared up on time, you know, Gordy, you know, took a pretty dang good shot, and I looked over at Coach K, and he's, I could just see a smile on his face. So, <laughs> so I was like, that's cool. I'm, I'm good. Yeah, really. I'm good. Check that block. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's awesome. What about uh, favorite non-football activity nowadays? What do you like to do when you're non either coaching or watching football? Cook. Really? Uh, yeah. I I have, uh, well, my oldest, my youngest, he's, son, he's 18 and a half. Uh, seven and a half, but he's he's on the way to you know finishing high school, and actually he's going to go in the army, which is good. But um, he likes to eat. Um, but I kind of got started cooking, um, like uh, when I used to go home back to home to, with my mom on Thanksgiving, I'd make turkey enchiladas after um, Thanksgiving's day, and then uh, you know I like really like cooking ribs, and I you know I like to dabble a little bit. Yesterday, you know, I made a little. Uh, little tacos. I can't wait to have today. I try to make two meals in one day to, there you to go. cover a couple things. But yeah. Good meal prep. Yeah. yeah, and I always used to joke. I said I love to – I'm the same way. Now, my wife's a phenomenal cook. But uh, I uh, I love cooking because I like to eat. And it's as I get older that that has been a, an ongoing challenge. So, you know, we have to we have to weigh the good with the bad. Yep. Um, of, of the guys you've had a chance to work with, and I'm not asking you to diminish anybody else, but of the guys that you've worked with that either currently or have played in the NFL level, um, anybody that sticks out in your mind is just ever so much 
head and shoulders above everybody else or remarkable as an athlete or a person? Yeah, <laughs> um Phenomenal player, and his career didn't exactly go. But Alden Smith, and Alden hmm. was a rookie of the year with the, with the 49ers, and he had another guy named Smith that was, I think it was a, he was an old stealer. But Alden was just phenomenal. I mean, you know, I have videotapes of him doing things, and I can't even imagine. He had, could have had a, a remarkable career. The craziness about it is I think he came out of in the NFL because he was a redshirt sophomore, but he was only like 19 years old, not very mature. You mm -hmm. know, uh, so he wins work of the year. I think J.J. had 22 sacks. He might have had 21 and a half or versus Visa, but And then he goes down to the uh, Super Bowl and then, you know, gets a DUI. I'm going, oh, and you just can't do that. You know, and he was personable enough that I could pick up the phone, which I do with guys I work with. And I, you know, hey, how you doing? Don't do that, that type of deal. But he was, uh, he had so many special uh, tools. And then the other guy is Clark Hagens. Clark would chase you to the, you know, <laughs> he was at the Colorado State right there. He's 192 pounds. And if you were his assignment and you haven't had to go to the bathroom up in the fifth deck, he would chase you there. But he was <laughs> so he's a long chaser, and I talked to him quite a bit. And, and I think he played 17 years, uh, 14 with the Steelers, two with the uh, um, here in Phoenix, and then he had two more years in San Francisco. But I mean, he would work. He works really. I mean. You would, you know, you would go like, there's something different about Clark, and that's because he's extremely intelligent. But, yeah. you know, loyal guy, just phenomenal. That's awesome. That's awesome. Uh, if I don't know if you're a movie guy. You got a favorite movie? Uh, Matrix. The Matrix. Interesting. Yeah, the series. Because um, just all the hand fighting that goes on there, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I can see why. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah I mean, I... I you know, came out, I watched it. The new one came out, I watched it. I bought the box set, <laughs> you know, and I watch it. And I still watch it just for, you know, you know, the hand. I mean, you, you can, if you want to get me suckered in, if you get something with the little hand fighting scene, I'm on it. That's awesome. That's awesome. And have you have you actually kind of taken a step back and a couple of times and said, hmm, you know, I'm going to incorporate that into what I'm doing? Try to, yeah. Yeah, yeah. that's yeah. awesome. That's awesome. Um, as you grew up, whether it be Little League with your dad or high school ball or, co or playing at San Jose State, do you have someone that sticks out in your mind that was a favorite of yours as a coach? Oh, I had so many phenomenal coaches, so many phenomenal. Uh, when I was at San Jose State, we had a guy named Dick Sullivan. And Coach Sullivan was the offensive line coach. And I think he only stayed in college coaching for a couple of years, but ex-Marine big 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 heart <laughs> but hard you know he, you know he, he was a dude so um he would he, we would lift and if i tell some people the programs we lift they'd go like and and then on tuesdays and thursdays so there was campus and the south campus 
and it's about 2.5 miles. Colt Sullivan, Lyman first, and I was a fullback, so I kind of went like third, and then you know he did he would do linebackers, and then fullbacks and running backs and receivers, let everybody go, and beat everybody back. Wow, that's awesome. And I was like. That's a bad bad. <laughs> well, you talk about lead by example, yeah. you know. And he was, uh, he and, but uh, you know, actually, just you know, and this is 1974, and you know, still some of the basis of things I do is from the stuff he taught us as far as periodization, and then, you know. You know, being tough, and we, were, you know, we were pretty successful. I think. Uh, out of three years out there, we won. I think all three years we won that PC two A or you know, back then that conference title. But we just had some tough dudes, man. And you know we still hit each other up and stuff like that. But uh, it's kind of it was Coach Sullivan. That's real, neat. Real deal. That's cool. What about uh, outside of uh, outside the kitchen when you're either not cooking or if you are favorite snack food? <sighs> Whatever I come up with now. Oh, my gosh. So I work with a guy named Tim Warnock. And Tim's, mm -hmm. we're teaching, we're physical education school, uh, teachers for, like, uh, a, a GAPA, uh, which is uh, a small school in the East Mark area. It's high. So I go there for three periods. And this guy got me stuck on lemon almonds. Really? That's unique. Uh, lemon almonds. And guess what? What? I got A.B. stuck got lemon almonds. <laughs> I brought it back home. Tim got it back. I'll take this home. I took it home. And I swear, I go, oh, okay, uh, Amy, just give me some over here. And you can take the big bag. Well, first I said, do you want one? Said, These are good. And he doesn't eat candy. And so it's it's not candy, you know. And so, whew, man, that bag was gone. I even laughed, too. We have a guy there in, that I coach with, a guy named Adam Schermeyer. So once I joke juggling around, I gave him one. You know what he does? Now I put a bottle there, and I'm hoping that I get some the next day. They're gone. <laughs> and they're gone. Yeah. But they're phenomenal. Share and share. Like, I might have to check that out. That's not yeah. one I've heard of. I Lemon I, almonds, bro. Let me I, tell I, you. I'm going to check it out. Because almonds are good for you. Yeah, absolutely. In fact, we incorporated uh, um, just recently. I, it was funny because I, I had, out of the blue, I went by the store to get some almonds for a snack food. And I got almonds that were honey cinnamon flavored. Okay. And uh, I, I'll I usually will take almonds and mix them with uh, some raisins. Okay. And because of the honey cinnamon flavor on top of the actual Ooh. taste of the almond with raisin, yeah. it tasted just like eating a piece of of like uh, cinnamon raisin bread, like okay. you would get you know at the store. It was crazy. So um, to kind of wrap up here, Coach, because the idea, you know, one of the things I want to do, I was asked about what my why was um, behind this podcast. And uh, for me, it, it's uh, there, there's it's multifaceted. The podcast is really about a foundation, and and I'm going to talk a little bit with you after after we finish off camera about some things in the future. But it's it's really a foundation for th some things I want to build. But fundamentally, I believe that there's a piece that many people overlook, and that is that you know in my mind, every child deserves to have that one rock star moment, that one set of 15 minutes of fame. I don't care if it's in football or band or art or whatever, but obviously my, my passion is football. 
uh, and that's what I've chosen as a platform. So when you look about when you look forward at those types of things, and particularly where you are now at Eastmark and the kids that you come in contact with on a daily basis, whether it's interacting in the hallway or classroom or it's on the football field, and, and as far as under the for the good of the game type of mantra, um, what kind of messages do you want to to leave or, or propagate among the kids that you know you come in contact with just as a person as a coach as a, as a mentor that they look up to what kind of things do you want them to to walk away feeling when you speak with them you know uh one is prior planning always prevents poor performance mm-hmm. uh two um it's okay you know when i tell them to stick the neck out it's okay to really care about something I think there's such a mutuality going on when people are afraid to say, I did this, I do this. Uh, and, you know, it's okay for it's okay to be great. It's okay to care about something. You know, that's one of the big things. And then the other thing is, too, is just, um, you know, a little sugar goes a long way. It's okay to tell somebody, nice job, you know, that deal. But then also be have integrity that, and say, hey, you could do this better, you could do that better. That's awesome. That's a great message to leave with. Uh, you know, for any players and parents that are watching this, uh, people that may follow this podcast over time will see that I'm a huge believer in positivity because I fundamentally believe that it takes just as much energy to be positive as it does negative. And, and we've got plenty of negativity without wanting any more in the world. So for me, it's all about the simplicity and the positive message that you can bring because you never know by being a positive, well-meaning person uh, that you can lift someone else up and make their day better. And you never know when you do that, you may be saving a life, uh, creating a great opportunity for somebody. So I ask you that not just inside the game of football, but in anything you do in life or in sports, make sure that whatever you do, you do it for the good of the game. Until next time, we'll see you later. Take care. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. Thanks for joining us. Please be sure to save this episode to your favorites and subscribe to the podcast.